Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. another episode of Soccer Supernova with me, Amy Canavan. One of the latest shows being brought to you by A State of Mind and on this show I talk to some of the most interesting footballers and former footballers kicking around and pretty much just anyone from that sort of area. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the former Celtic goalkeeper and currently he's at Wraith Rovers with a plethora of clubs in between. Robbie Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. Uh, I'm glad to be on. 
Absolutely. Um, we touched upon it there. Obviously, um, you are still Wraith Rovers right now. I think you're one of the only, or maybe Danny Swanson actually, Danny Swanson's still playing. One of the only still current players kicking around. So um, thank you very much for joining us. Was um, growing up, was football always um, the, the dream for you? Yeah, just like many many young footballers, uh, I would say so. Yeah, it was it was sort of my, my only goal growing up. I was I was lucky enough. I, had a, I grew up with a footballing background. My dad being a being a footballer, so just naturally I, I followed that progression. So quite a boring answer, but uh, now that that's the sort of the path that I'd, I'd only wanted ever wanted to sort of go down. Do you think um, you, you say that there? Obviously, your dad um, kicked around in, uh, in the footballing world as well, and went into coaching, sort of like yourself. So, was it was there that added pressure that you sort of had to follow in his footsteps? Um, there was never pressure. Um, that's a good thing, sort of from from both my parents. I'd never been forced to do anything. Um, they sort of led me to own de- own devices. I was I was lucky enough growing th- coming up. Um, I had some fantastic coaches and I had a great football upbringing um, going through Celtic. So they never really had to push me too much from from that side of things. Um, it was it all came from my end. I just looked up to looked up to my dad. I loved the environment they worked in, and I just wanted to be part of that when I when I when I grew up. So you went to Celtic at a very young age, at eight. But where does it before that? Where did um, where did they catch your eye? Um, I remember I was away. I used to live down in England with my dad played down there and when I came back up uh, I got involved with a boys club called Young Falkirk so that was when I was like six, seven they were basically the sort of the pro youth set up the Falkirk had at the time it wasn't quite set up it was a own boys club um, and it was just run by the local dads and stuff and then we actually done really well and that's that's uh, how I got noticed I remember played in a a tournament when I was younger um, and the Celtic Scouts picked me up and then from uh, eight years old, that was me, um, right in amongst it. Who was your boy, boyhood club, sorry? Was it Celtic or was it Sunday more through East? No, I, to be honest, it was whoever my dad was at. Yeah. So when I was growing up, I would always get totally into grips with, with who, whoever he, he played for. So, And that was it. And then just as, as you grow older, you just you, you become sort of a lot more familiar with how football actually works and it, it becomes a lot more serious. So those sort of ties go away. But I would I would say so growing up my my team would, would have been Newcastle because my mum and my full my mum's uh, side of the family, I've got a really big family from down there and that's where my mum's from. So I would say sort of uh, they they would be sort of my, my teams growing up. So you're at Celtic at eight and then we talk about it quite a lot on this show, um that perhaps um, young kids are, are tucked into an academy too soon and they're not really enjoying their football just playing with their, your, uh, their friends sorry you obviously were part of that system did, how did you feel a part of it? Um, I absolutely loved it um, for me it was the best football education I could possibly ever ask for I do get why people sort of think that um, but for me because I was so driven to be a footballer and it's all I ever wanted only ever wanted to play at the best sort of the, the highest level I possibly could that was the ideal environment for me. Um, but like I said, I can understand why people have got a different perspective, perspective on it. But um, from my own experience, it was it was definitely the right place for me and some, somewhere that I loved sort of growing up and getting that football education. What's the intensity like, even at such a young age, when you're in a Celtic academy? Um, you're always expected to win. Um, a lot of it, they, they always go down, oh, development this, development that, but 
the environment, the reset, and the the team that the teams that I had that I, that I played in growing up were, were, were filled with brilliant players. So it didn't matter if the, it was all towards development or whatever. We were good enough, and we knew we we could we should be winning. So that sort of naturally installed that mentality, in you and that's something that I would like to think I, I had and took in my career moving forward. Who were the sort of guys that you, um, you came through with at that age? Um, my age group was uh, James Keatons, um, that's playing with Toshney, um, and then Cal McGregor, Dylan McGeeck, um, uh, guys like that. I had a, a really fantastic youth team. I was looking, I actually came up across a picture the other day and it, on one of under 19s teams, and um, I think. Every single one is in the picture, bar one or two, are still are playing at a good level professionally. So it just shows you that it doesn't happen very often. Um, that a lot of we had a, a really good crux of young players coming through at the time. Absolutely, and do you think even from such a young age, you can see that, that the guys around you, Cal McGregor, Dylan McGee, that they will make it to the top? James Keatons as well, of course. Um, yeah, uh, you do, but you see, you do also see a lot of the other side. A lot of a lot of guys you think right, he's definitely going to make it, and they don't. Um, everyone's got their own paths, and maybe someone that's flying when they're younger, maybe they come up against some adversity, it might be sort of injuries or maybe personal life or loss of form. That's when sort of the other the other guys sort of fall away by the wayside a little bit. But it's the ones that have got the strong characters that can can overcome that and obviously show their showcase their quality that they've got. Obviously, so you are a goalkeeper. Um, so when you're coming through at Celtic, you're, you're Arthur Boric, you're David Marshall. What are these guys sort of like even the influence they can have on you at such a young age? Um, I remember David Marshall was sort of one of my shining lights that made me want to be a footballer. Because I remember as a youngster, David Marshall was sort of 1920, and he used to help out with the Junior Academy on a Monday and a Thursday night. So that was when I was just coming through, sort of eight, eight nine years old, and obviously have that famous game against Barcelona. And uh, I always remember watching him on the TV, having an amazing performance. And then the following week, he was down taking young goalies at the Junior Academy. And I was just like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just in awe of him because I just watched him on the TV putting this, um, play this amazing game. And that was a sort of, the sort of light bulb moment for me to go like, well, that's what I want. I want to be like that one day. And it was just, was having the opportunity to look up to those guys and it was, it was quite good the pathway itself that we always even if you're a young goalkeeper you would get the opportunity to train with or you'd be able to watch the sort of older age groups and the older teams train and for me that was sort of what I sort of strive for because I always wanted to be involved with that sort of older level and I was lucky when I was progressing through I managed to do that quite a lot when um, you were do, you were part of that progression, did you ever get to play in the reserves league? Was that still kicking around? Yeah, uh huh, it was. Yeah, I managed to play a couple of games. Um, it was more product, just the odd one before it changed to the sort of under twenty format. Do you think that's where we're missing now? Again, we talk about it so often that there's just not that whole plethora of players really coming through the Scottish game you're having to look elsewhere do you think that is what's missing that league where it was just that step below and you would have the first team players coming into it as well and that's where the education really really kicks in oh, definitely I, I, I couldn't agree more with that because when I was growing up at the Cel- in the Celtic youth team you had the under 19s which was serious and then you had the reserves which was serious but now like see when you, you go past the sort of 
17s, 18s. It's just like only development. It's just like, oh, you got to go and moan or you've got to play these friendly games. And it's, it's just not the same. Um, it's, it's so much better if you had that sort of real proper structure, the proper league and the, the sort of the setup and the rules and the regulations has got to be looked at a lot as well to make it really a lot more serious and when first team players are getting asked to play reserve games just now it's it's not the same. No one likes to play reserve games as being a first team player, but when there's a there's a better league and there's a proper structure and it's a bit more serious, it does make it a lot more enjoyable for the senior pros as well. But so I definitely think there's there's something that needs to be looked at there. There is scope for it, and we can only hope in the in the near future. Obviously, that does come around. So you're coming through, obviously, and you still have the seventeens, eighteens, nineteens. When did you really feel I can make a career out of this? Um, I think I've always felt it, to be honest. Um, just growing up, look, just through everyday life, just looking up to up to my dad. That was his job. That was all I've ever knew. Um, when I when I've been growing up, seeing him going away to training, going to games, when Easter holidays or whatever, I would go in. And I was going to training with them, and it's just something that I just I almost thought that was normal. I didn't realise how hard it would be to, to forge a career, but I think um, all the way through my career, I, I just felt it was natural to, to go and be a footballer. So you get um, through that the academy in the 19s, the reserves, and then that registration um, for the first team sort of comes around and you're registered for the, the 2013 campaign, um, the Champions League campaign actually as well. How much a moment is that? You're signing your first your professional contract and all of those big milestones, how big are they? Um, they, were, they were really, really important to me, I think. I was lucky enough growing up, Tommy Burns gave me my first professional contract when I was... As I had it when I was 13, um, I knew I was going into that. So he had a great eye for earmarking younger players and it wasn't just myself. He'd, he'd done it through a lot of the top players coming through. And I was I still had a little bit of time left on that. And But through my, my hard work, I managed to get another contract. And that's when it became a little bit more serious in terms of trying to get a progression up into the first team and around it. Um, but being involved in, in the first team every day, training and stuff like that was... Was something I I look back on now, and I'm I'm really proud to be to have been a part of it. A lot of people go, oh, I'll let it go or whatever, and but no, nah, I I don't I don't want to. Um, I, I look back on it in a real sort of fondness, and I I took a lot of sort of learning opportunities from that, and things that have stuck with me, and, and are still with my sort of in my day to day sort of life just now, and when I go about my training. So it's something I look back on with real fondness. Sort of the unsung hero at Celtic and at Scotland as well. How much um, of an influence has Stevie Woods had in your career? Um, Woods has been massive throughout um, because when I go back to that story with, with David Marshall in the Junior Academy, uh, Stevie Woods, he was the, the league goalkeeping coach at the time at the Junior Academy when he was still playing. So I've been lucky enough on my progression throughout sort of coming up through the ranks at Celtic it sort of went side by side with with Woodsy, so when I was going through the ages, that was it was Woodsy's natural progression as well. So when I just left school, Woodsy was uh, the under 19s coach, and just as I went full time, Woodsy became the the first team goalkeeping coach, and um, that's when Colin Meldrum came in to sort of when Woodsy uh, jumped up. So they were my two sort of main figures all the way through. It'd be Woodsy, and towards the end when I was training with, with the first team, it would be Woodsy, but. When I first uh, went in full time, it was it was Colin Meldrum that also had a, a massive influence on me. 
So the likes of Colin Meldrum, you've even spoke about Tommy Burns there and Stevie Woods. Just what sort of, how how much does that give you going forward that you just want to, you know, Tommy Burns has given you that first professional contract. You just want to do him proud, really. Yeah. It's uh, when you get given an opportunity to Celtic, the, all the coaches and especially guys like that, they, they make you realise how lucky you are. Um, I was fortunate that I was brought up in a, a good way that I really appreciated it. A lot of players maybe don't, um, but I knew the magnitude of what it meant to, to play for a team like that and I never took it for granted because I'd seen how hard my dad had had to work and the, the level that he's been playing at and how hard they needed to work to get there. Um, and I was involved in such an elite environment and I never took any day any day for granted. It was an elite environment and as we're coming towards the the later stage of your Celtic career, is there a realisation that obviously amongst goalkeepers you're only ever going to get one on the pitch at a time and when that, obviously not at Celtic right now, but when that number one is established, how hard is it to you think I think it is time to move on now. Uh, it is, it is hard, but you've got to, as, as a goalkeeper, especially a young goalkeeper, you've got to play the longer game a little bit. It's all about getting experience. And I, I went on loan a couple of times in my my last season there, um, and it was it was great to sort of to sort of just gain that experience. And it's totally different to to play wherever I played before. Um, and when you go out there, you sort of get a realization and a right. Well, this is this is the real stuff. And then when we come back and I played the reserve game and stuff like that, it just wasn't the same. Um, and you get that sort of appetite for first team football, and it's it's something that I wanted to just strive for and get more and more of. So you got that taste on your on your two loan moves. What um, what enticed you to Rochdale then? Um, basically, when the time came to, to leave Celtic, I. I had the opportunity to go and, and try and forge a career down in England. Um, I, I thought to myself, a lot of players play their full career up in Scotland and never, ever get that chance. But I just thought when my when I was leaving such a big club, my, my stock was quite high. Um, I'd earned a, a not bad reputation, which sort of interested a, a few teams in England. So I just thought, right, I'm going to go for it. Um, my plan was to try and dot around about there and, and forge a career in England, but that's football for you, but I'm I'm just glad I glad I went for it and, and gave it a shot anyway. It's, it's, I look back in it with uh, with fond memories, and it's good life experience and it's good football experience as well to to go and try somewhere new. Absolutely, and it is all about progression. So you went down to Rochdale, it didn't quite work out. I think you were number two to to Josh Lillis, who's been there for eternity. It seems. Um, and then you come back up here, and you basically you follow in your in your dad's well gloves really your dad's footsteps and and you head up uh, the road so what what brought you to Cowdenbeath? Um, it was just really to go and play because I, although I never uh, I had a really good experience down at Rochdale I never played enough only played one game um, it was a successful season for us we ended up getting promoted to, to League One in England but when you look at your CV and you go right I've only played 20 games in my full career uh, this sort of it makes you realise right I need to go and try and get a full season under my belt and, and see where it takes me. And that was, I was so delighted I got the opportunity to go and, and play for Cowdenbeath at the time because they were in the championship. Um, I was still a relatively young goalie. I was only 21. And Jimmy Nicol gave me that opportunity to go and go and play every week for Cowdenbeath. And it was the best thing I've ever done. Um, there's a bit of a gamble because if it didn't work out, that could be the sort of decline. But 
that opportunity, I, I grasped it and uh, I went and done pretty well and I managed, that was the sort of the making of me as a, as a young goalkeeper. You've done exceptionally well and I think you walked away with Player of the Year and Young Player of the Year. How tricky is it winning those awards in a season where the club, they, it wasn't the most successful, I think there was maybe a relegation. What's it like personally, as you say, it's one of your best seasons? It was it was good. It was really rewarding because that was like I said, it was it was a gamble I took at the start of the season to go right. I'm gonna gonna test myself out here. I'm gonna put myself right in the shop window and just and I knew I was gonna be busy. Um, and that was the sort of the way I looked at it. And it was it was good to look back on the end of the season and and go performance wise. Generally, I, I went and proved myself at a at a good level. Um, and that was sort of what I needed to to move forward and progress uh, with my career in Scotland. So then Cowdenbeath comes to an end, obviously you've just had, you've had that uh, extremely successful season and then you're sort of dithering around, there's there's talks of Hamilton Ackies and Queen of the South and whatever. How does it all come around there? That, like you see, your stock's quite high, you were doing pretty well. Did you think there was maybe a, a bigger club maybe could be after you? Um there was there was at one one stage yeah because when I left Cowdenbeath I managed to to get a move to, to Queen of the South and they were obviously a bigger team in the in the league they they'd just been in the playoffs the previous season and uh, I started my time really really well there um, and I was I was putting on some good performances but it was a, it was a different type of pressure when I was at Cowdenbeath it was it was all about this sort of damage limitation almost and try and keep myself keep keep the team in games and then. When I moved to Queen of the South, the the pressure was to go and win, and try and get up the top of the end of the league and try and get in the playoffs. So it was just, I look back at it as as more learning experience to to go through different sort of challenges in my career. And there has been times that I've had a a bit more interest or whatever, but it's that different type of pressure that you need to cope with rather than just surviving and trying to try and just keep your team in games. It's it's about that consistency of performance. That's a that's a whole different type of pressure that I think until you until you get older, it's, it's something that you you need to really learn and you need to get the experience to to sort of get better at that. So again, you've got that experience behind you, and then um, there's sort of like a calamity, a calamity sort of at Hamilton, and they're in a, a goalkeeping crisis. How does it feel for yourself? You're sort of walking in, and you're just pick, you just got to walk straight. And how does that feel? What's that like? That experience, um, but. At the time, it was I was at Queen of the South, and Hamilton gave me the opportunity to go and and go up to the Premier League. Um, it's the first time I'd, I'd been around it since I since I left Celtic, so I, I grasped the opportunity. Um, they did have a lot of injuries at the time. I had a couple of goalkeepers out, and it was almost like a a crisis cry, like you said, to go come in. Can you can you help us? Because all the goalkeepers are injured. Um, so I went in there. I took the gamble again. Um, I, I got right stuck into it. Got my teeth into it, and worked as hard as I possibly could and uh, I really enjoyed my time there and it was good to, to get in amongst a, a first team at a Premier League level. So you've been at Premier League level, big club, and um, when you go to another big club and you're sort of heading home really and you go to Falkirk. Yeah, that that was a sort of when I was at when I was at Hamilton it was it was good. I was I was involved I was on the bench all the time. I, I came on once in a game in the Premier League and that that was about it. But it sort of goes back to the the time of looking at your career and going, right, I've not really played much for the last sort of six months or whatever, so I need to go and test myself again. And 
Falkirk came around and one of their goalkeepers left and it's obviously a massive club um, in Scotland. They've got a really good fan base and it's it was my local team at, at the time. Um, and when the opportunity came along to go there, it was it was a sort of a no-brainer for me, a, more of a chance to go and play. Um, Falkirk were going well at the time in the Championship and I sort of went just went for it again. That's the sort of... When I get a good gut feeling in my career, I normally just jump into things and, and try and go all in, and that's what I've done there. Again, and it's just all about game time, and it's, it's what you're craving. And then, really, the most stable place you've been in your career is where you are right now, at Wraith. Um, so you, you just head along the roads at Wraith, and how comfortable have you felt in that sort of, in that role? Um, it's It's been good uh, since, since I joined the club. Obviously, my dad having a really strong connection with the club, and... Rafe Overs is probably one of my first ever early memories of football when I went and watched my dad and that go to Starts Park and going on the pitch and stuff. That's uh, that's one of the one of the things that resonate me when I when I think about football as a youngster. So it was good to step to step in there and and go and get that opportunity there to sort of go and establish myself even more. And it's it's been it's been great. I've really enjoyed my time at the club so far. So you came in and you really did hit the hit the ground running at Wraith and then you got that terrible injury, um, I think it was against Stenhouse Muir. You, you finally, we, we touched on it, you, you've got that little bit of progression, a bit of stability, you're in that starting 11. How crushing is that injury? Yeah, it was, it was a horrible injury. Um, I wouldn't wouldn't wish it on anyone. You you hear a lot of the, the stories about the ACLs and the knee injuries and stuff like that, but the the Achilles injury that I had was was horrible. Uh, I definitely I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It was a horrible long rehab as well. There's there's not much you can do. Um, it was really monotonous at times. Um, but like I said, the, they're the things that come along in your career, and I like to think I'd, they've made me stronger as a person, stronger as a goalkeeper, definitely better as a goalkeeper. Since I've came back, a lot of time to reflect and sort of look at your game in a lot more detail, and I definitely feel stronger as a result. But yeah, at the time it, it was horrible. You talked about the rehab there. What was it like when you um, you went down south? I think you went to St George's. How amazing were the setups down there? Oh, it was that was brilliant. I talked about elite environments before when I was at Celtic, and just to go away from the club and get the opportunity to go down there and do do my rehab, it was it was fantastic. I think I spent spent three weeks down there, um, and that was part of the, the English PFA. They organised that. So once you play a season in England, you're a member of the English PFA for life. And that was one of the benefits that you, that you get. That's it's all free of charge, and they put you up in the Hilton that's on site at St George's Park, and it's just intense rehab uh, all week. And uh, I went down three times, and it was anyone that knows me like I'm a, I'm a quite an intense person. Um, and that environment and those facilities and surrounded by those types of people was just I thrived upon it, and it was it was something I really enjoyed, and it definitely helped me in, in terms of my recovery. Were the England team there at the time? Were you getting any sort of glimpses? Yeah, uh I seen them. They were just sort of... When I was going one time, they were just leaving to go on an international trip. But I remember like going for lunch because Gareth Southgate and stuff, they're, they're based there. Right. As part of their job, they've got to be to be based there. So you see him dotting about. i seen uh, Phil, Phil Neville, who was the, the women's team um, manager. He was floating about as well. And you just... It's a second nature because... Those guys, they're based there all the time, and they see the the PFA rehab athletes come in, and they know who they are, and they just uh, how you getting on with your rehab and stuff like that. And it was good to to rub shoulders with these guys, and it just gives you that little reminder of 
of what how the other side live almost like how the the elite guys are used to the facilities and the the sort of environment down there and it's, this gives you a wee realisation of, of what you can achieve again. You talk so highly of your, your time at Celtic and Tommy Burns and Stevie Woods and all of that. Are these the guys that sort of inspired you then to go down that coaching route? Um, yes. Or was yes it your dad? Not. Yeah, I, I think obviously my dad has a natural progression in that as well. But I think as an individual, it's something goalkeeping has been my passion since God knows how long. Like I, I wasn't never one of those young footballers that uh, wanted to, young goalkeepers that wanted to be a striker to start off with and then just fell fell into the goals. It was I was always only ever in the goals. I had no interest in playing up front, no interest in being an outfield player. I just I just wanted to be a goalkeeper. So that's a right from day dot, that's been my passion. Um right the way through, even at twenty eight now, it's still my passion. So I think naturally that's the only thing when I'm not playing when I'm not involved sort of on the pitch. Um, during my spare time, I just want to help as, as many young goalkeepers as, as I possibly can to sort of help their game and enhance their game. So the, the coaching side of things was, was sort of natural for me. You started at an incredibly young age, um, especially going through Celtic, and that's that's you're back doing some academy work there. During lockdown, obviously, uh, Wraith Rovers weren't playing for, for a large portion. Has that really just kept you going, co- uh, coaching the kids and, like say, just filling your time? Yeah, there was, was a massive help to me, especially when when football stopped. Um, but it's something that I've I've taken very seriously since uh almost since I moved back up from England. Even when I was younger, at a young age, a lot of the time a goalkeeping coach was never present. Um, I was maybe only get one or two goalkeeping sessions a week when I was growing up as a youngster, and I would always take ownership, even when I was like thirteen, fourteen, to go and lead a lead a goalkeeping session and and try and make it beneficial. Um, but more so when I when I came back up from from England I had a bit more spare time and I never I wasn't involved in Celtic yet and uh never had my own company yet. So um that was a sort of during my spare time I got stuck into that. I asked Celtic for the opportunity to maybe go and coach for the junior academy and I was I was so lucky to being given that opportunity. And then I, I set up my own sort of goalkeeping side of things called Pro Performance Goalkeeping. Um, it was originally Pro Performance Academy with my two pals, uh, Callum Tapper and Blair Munn. But recently, I've just in the last couple of years, I've moved away and and solely uh, solely focused on the goalkeeping side of things. So we sort of run it as one, but I'm in charge of the, the goalkeeping side of things, and that's that's sort of what I do away from the club. Yeah, and obviously at your club as well, you're in a sort of coaching role at Wraith as well as being a player. You're only 28. How is that sort of received by um, your teammates? Um, that that's the sort of the thing moving forward because I've I've just I just recently been given that role, um, and I'm delighted for the opportunity. Um, the club the club have put a lot of faith in me. The managers put a lot of faith in me to give me that opportunity. And like you said, such a young age, but you obviously see something in me that. That he sort of can hand the task over to me, and I'm I'm hoping to thrive upon that sort of responsibility. Um, and it's just getting that balance. It's it's quite good because go back to my dad again and call Meldrum and Woodsy that I grew up with. They all had that experience of, of being a player coach first before they they transitioned into being a proper coach. Um, I like to think I've got a lot of years left in me and sort of playing wise, but I've kind of been doing the role already. Um, David McGurn has been at the club the last couple of years, but he's only part time. 
So whenever Davy's not been in, I've been been given the opportunity to go and go and lead the goalkeeping sessions. But to officially be given the role for next season, it's something that I'm I'm looking forward to getting to getting stuck into. And it's not going to be too different. Um, a lot of the the players and they know what I do anyway. Um, it's something that I've been been doing for the last two years. So hopefully it'll be a natural natural progression into into that role, and hopefully it can be beneficial moving forward. You're certainly not going to believe in um, your spot in between the six sticks anytime soon, then, no. No, no. Always, always uh, thrive to sort of to go and play. Um, I've not got that urge to to hang up the gloves at all. Um, I really feel like I've got a lot to offer on a playing sense. Um, but also now I've I've got that role, so I've got to make sure I'm the the best coach, uh, coach I can possibly be for the goalkeepers that are there at the club at the, at the moment and that's the sort of both my roles are, are pretty clear from the, the manager it's the on the pitch to try and perform the best I can and try and forge my way into that starting 11 and the other role is to be the, the best coach I can be and serve the goalkeepers at the club um, in the best way possible Absolutely well Robbie thank you so much for joining us I've thoroughly enjoyed our chat Um all the best as we're, as we're going forward in the coaching uh, role as well. And fingers crossed we'll just um, we'll be seeing Wraith kicking on a few more victories like the other night. Yeah, no, we've been playing well. We're coming in a good bit of form towards the end of the season, so hopefully we can keep it going. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.